0: I want to see how much pull we have in the city of Atlanta, see if we can get some of those chicken wings oh. sent down here to
1: Orlando. What's popping, everybody? Tim, open position in Texas. Will you be accepting the new Texans head football coach job?
2: You know, I thought about it, and I think in order for me to accept,
1: I'm going to also have to have the GM role as well. Only if you are also calling plays. We have a great episode coming up here. We talk NBA Finals, what's going on in the NFL we also talk about the WNBA finals with Kiki Griffin. She gives great insight into the league and how it's growing. And then we have an amazing conversation on deck for you with the women of support women in sports, Sydney Large and Alana Miraz. They give some extremely valuable insight into why we need to be supporting women in sports, why they created their accounts, and how we can all help and make it better. So whether you're already in the sports industry, you want to get into it, or you just want to support your fellow co-workers, listen to this episode. Let's get right into it. All right, episode number seven here, which means we are at number seven for the numbers game. Tim, it seems like it's flying along here. Who did you choose for your number seven?
2: My number seven was the one and only John Elway. Of course, two-time Super Bowl champ, Super Bowl MVP, nine times Pro Bowler, first-team All-Pro in 1987. He also won the MVP, two-time uh, second-team All-Pro, won the MVP that in '87. And uh, AFC Off- Offensive Player of the Year twice in 87 and 1993. He is also kind of a Seattle guy, which oh, is big news. He was born in <laughs> Port Angeles, which is like an hour from Seattle. little little town on the water here. So, John Elway, little known fact, Seattle guy. What's crazy is John Elway is known for football, right? He was number yeah. one recruited coming out of high school. He had like over 60 scholarship offers. Number one overall draft pick coming out of college. You know, in his, he went to five Super Bowls as a quarterback. But what's not really talked about a ton with John Elway is he was also a stud baseball player. He was drafted oh, multiple times. Um, he was fantastic at baseball. He actually played uh, a short season uh, for the Yankees. Uh, he played outfield each 42 games, ready for this. Three batted 318, four home runs. 13 stolen bases and a team high of 25 RBIs. So a lot of people said that football was what he was like going to be amazing at. And a lot of people said he was going to be amazing at baseball. But a few people were like, no, he could potentially be better at baseball. What is the rub with John Oway and what a lot of people know from whatever 30 for 30 that was, was he is kind of the OG of the player empowerment era. And everyone was thinking he was going to be the, the number one overall draft pick, which the Baltimore Colts cult, had. And he was the first one to be like, no, if you draft me, I'm playing baseball. I am Eli Manning, I refuse. Baby. I refuse to play for the Baltimore Colts. His agent famously said that he would become a garbage collector before <laughs> John Elway would play <laughs> for the Baltimore Colts. Baltimore selected him anyways. He demanded a trade again. It was this whole fiasco. Watch the 30 for 30 on it. It's insane. But he is, I didn't really know this. Kind of the OG of the player empowerment here.
1: Well, so. you know what else Probably. he's the OG of? Is really, really bad car commercials in Southern California. <laughs>
2: he does now, what does he own? Like 15 car dealerships in Denver? I, I don't know, like but
1: I, I wish he didn't.
3: <laughs> really, really tastes how
1: I view him now. <laughs> Unfortunate, but no, John Elway, legend of the game. It's cool to play baseball. Uh, apparently, it's a good thing to play baseball and be an NFL quarterback. If you're looking at Mahomes, Russell Wilson, Tom Brady. Jameis Winston? Jameis, well, that was maybe the How I How could you to forget Jameis Winston? Yeah, it was, I left that one on purpose.
4: <laughs>
1: uh, All right, God who'd Murray. you choose? uh Yeah, I went with a little bit of a different route. Also a throwback. As a catcher, I was very close to selecting Pudge Rodriguez because he was mm-hmm. so influential behind the plate. Mm-hmm. But I had to go with the legend, Pistol Pete Maravich, oh, because I think yeah. he's someone that our generation might know a little bit less about. And that's part of what I want the segment to be. We want it to be fun, but also educational. So Pistol Pete. NBA Hall of Famer, known as one of the most creative offensive players in NBA history. Fellow Hall of Famer John Havlicek called him the best ball handler of all time. He had an all-time NBA career, and he should not be forgotten as time goes on. But I want to talk about his college career. Okay. okay. This is nuts. Maravich is one of the greatest, if not the greatest, college hooper of all time. He played college ball for LSU for his dad, the head coach, Press Maravich. He is the all-time leading NCAA Division I scorer with – 3,667 points. And my man averaged 44.2 points per game. And that's without a three-point line. And he wasn't allowed to play on varsity as a freshman under NCAA rules. 44 points a game leads the NCAA record all time in points. That is ridiculous. We cannot let this guy slip through the cracks of history. Pistol
2: absolute legend. And the thing is fair than this is you can't necessarily make the argument of like I mean, you can to a degree, but it's not like he was just athletically superior like a Wilt Chamberlain was, you know, where it doesn't almost, like some of his accolades don't really count because of the disparity between him and everyone else. He was just kind of like a standard dude who was just incredible at basketball. I had an early love for Pistol Pete Barinovich because there was a movie that came out in 1991 called The Pistol, The Birth of a Legend. And it's such an amazing movie. Pistol
1: Pete. Legend. Pistol Pete. Let's stay on basketball. Tim, do you want to admit you're wrong about Heat and Five? How do you you feel about that right now?
3: Well,
2: pretty much as soon as I said it out loud, I knew I shouldn't have said it out loud. (laughs) And I left um, it on
1: the record for
2: a reason. (laughs) Yes, you did. Yes, you did. So here's my thing. is One, I said it out loud. I jinxed it. That was my bad. Second, as um, a fellow friend pointed out, I completely forgot about the legend of Kobe Bryant, and yeah. and that was something that I did not take into account, which was super dumb of me, um,
1: and so I was just way off. I have something on this that we didn't discuss beforehand, but I was just thinking about this before we came on. I saw someone today say that uh, marketers are using Kobe too much right now to sell the league, and I, it had me torn, right? it had me really confused as to how I felt because a part of me is like, yeah, you know what? Kobe didn't die to have people use his name for selling the NBA. But the other part of me is like, there are so many people who Kobe Bryant meant a lot to. So the ability to think about him and use him as a driving force to continue fighting through your daily problems and to get inspired to do something. I know for a fact that means a ton to a lot of people. So I see both sides of it, right?
2: Yeah. I mean, it's interesting. My thoughts are honestly, like, I feel like they're, they're not, necessarily overdoing it i don't i don't feel like i'm seeing kobe everywhere like crazy um so i don't necessarily feel like they're overdoing it with that being said though i think that kobe would be all for it yeah um obviously i don't know kobe personally right. but, don't um, him, but i can't speak for him and you know maybe i'm way off here but it seems like his passion for the game and everything like that um you know it should be it, like, I'm down to have Kobe still be, like, the face of the league to, a, like, in some degree. And I think he would be, too. Before we, you know, veer too far away from the NBA Finals, I think that the absence of Goran Dragic is so huge. Yeah. And when I made my prediction of heat in five, Goran was healthy. Yeah. And, I mean, he, I mean, he was a leading scorer in the playoffs. Like, the dude, their half-court offense, what we've seen really struggle um, that was like his go-to. He would hit those shots. So I don't know. I think this—it's obviously as soon as Bam and Goran went down, it was kind of like, all right, this is over.
1: Yeah, kind of sucks. I, I think it probably still would have been Lakers in six, based on that small sample size we had in Game One before all that started happening. I think I liked a lot of what I saw. I, I don't know. It's it's well, never you
2: know, know. Move, yeah, at a moot yeah, point we'll at this point. It doesn't doesn't totally matter. But
1: total bummer. Uh, even as a Lakers fan, I was really really bummed because I really enjoyed the watching the Heat. All year, and I think it would have just been a really good series to see the different styles match up. But yeah, it's too bad. It really is too bad. But- and I
2: think it, like, for me, the, the, I feel like it's the second year in a row we've been robbed of an yeah. NBA Finals with yeah. injury because of injuries. It sucks. Like, half of me is like, I know it's a part of the process, but the other half of me is like, can we just pause and so we can get these teams at full strength? Because that's what we deserve. Like, we deserve, we deserve to see, you know, the Raptors and the Warriors going at it full strength. We deserve to see the Heat and the Lakers go at it full strength. Because otherwise, it's just not the same. It sucks.
3: Yeah,
1: it sucks. I, it's the same thing as you know, Chiefs, Patriots playing Monday night without Cam Newton. Like, yep. guess what? Brian is not going to do it. So, yeah, it's too bad. But next, let's let's have Kiki on. We're going to bring her on to talk WNBA and give us a little bit of a wrap up of the season, what it means. Let's talk to Kiki. All right, joining us again on the pod, Kiki. Welcome back. We are excited to have you here.
3: Hey guys. Nice to see y'all again. <laughs>
1: we, uh, we needed to have your expertise here on the WNBA and talk to you about the season that just ended with Tim's Seattle storm taking it home. Let's go storm, baby. Yeah, here we go. Let's this go. All I've been hearing about. But yeah, we want to get your thoughts on the season and how it ended and the dominance of the storm. So let's take it away.
3: Man, I'm, I mean, I'm excited um, and like just still excited from what has happened this past season. Major, major adjustments. I mean, who would have thought that any league in general, you know, and now really the WNBA would have been able to pull off a bubble situation. Totally. Um, And the financial impact of that, the viewership impact of that, um, along with just the overarching mental, physical, emotional toll um, that all these adjustments um, took on these players and we got to see some great basketball some very high level basketball um, yes. Yes, that we, we did. yeah that we typically see but I don't know I think a lot of the players there was a lot more at stake during this season and that showed um, so I'm, I just wanted to congratulate every single player that you stuck through this you know whether they played on the court or you know decided to not play um, this season, every, every player made an impact on this and every staff member, every, um, you know, person in charge. So yeah. kudos to the WNBA.
1: And one thing that I think that I noticed there was, there was a lot more coverage here, which I think is a really good thing. Like I get notifications every time Bleacher Report tweets, cause I'm a psycho like that. So I was getting constant notifications about the highlights of the WNBA and I was loving it. Like that's something you definitely did not use to see. And I think that's a really good thing. What do you think was maybe the biggest takeaway from, the Season, and you know, maybe that additional coverage in the social justice that was covered
3: for sure. I mean, first of all, we're talking, uh, you know, Kathy Engelbert uh, announced that there was a 68% increase in average viewership. Wow, crazy! Wow. Crazy. I mean, That's awesome. and we have that number in the midst of not only a pandemic, but in the midst of these women voicing. The importance of Black Lives Matter, yep. the importance of social justice. So we we're seeing what's important to the um, to these women is becoming important to fans, yep. and that's going to translate into these numbers. Uh, when we're talking about sixty eight percent increase in viewership, um, it's going to translate into uh, greater interactions on social media, um, and I think. In general, when we're talking about media, I'm not an expert in it at all. But I have many friends and colleagues who uh, work for the WNBA in terms of media, or you know, report on the WNBA, and they just have more opportunities to cover these women and to cover their stories. I think the PR team um, did a great job in in just allowing these journalists, you know, through through access of Zoom because that's yeah, how it is now. Um, you know, allow them access to these players and to let them share their stories, whether it be about basketball, whether it be about, you know, how they're, um, how they're coping with um, the bubble mentally, you know, and emotionally, all these things that just come together um, that allow for the WNBA to be put on the map and to show that these women are out here, not only balling, but, you know, they're, a lot of them are mothers. They're doing the, the damn job, <laughs> you know, do, taking care mm-hmm. of their kids. Um, they're doing the job when it comes to just voicing how important voter registration is or how important it is, uh, you know, maybe in their particular um, team states, uh, what's important to, to that situation. So there's just – it was a lot going on. And, you know, I, again, I, I applaud all these players for, for taking advantage of the opportunity. Um, and applaud the the league for allowing folks to gain access to these players because that that, that's the impact that's what we spoke about last week just the players being the center of all of this and once you have and put the focus on these players then everything else falls into place this domino effect there
2: yeah for sure I thought and like regardless of me being from Seattle and having this huge bias towards the storm I thought it was like the perfect franchise to win right ownership group is all women right you get Don Trudeau, Lisa Brumwell, Jenny Gilder, who are the 4-10 Hoops LLC. Right. You have Sue Bird, like, the living legend. And then you have Stewie, who is, like, so freaking good and up and coming. Should be
3: in a Hall of Fame already.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. Like, she could quit tomorrow and be in the Hall of Fame. And she's so good. Like, watching her play, I'm like, damn, she would kick my ass. <laughs> like, <laughs> she is so good. And so you kind of have this like this perfect storm, right? With the Seattle Storm being you know this this awesome franchise ownership group, Super Bernard Stewart. How do you think that this year has impacted little girls playing basketball in the future? You know, I've talked to certain, I've talked to women's basketball coaches who are like, "Oh, I've never even watched the WNBA." I'm like, "How? Like the yeah, yeah, WNBA yeah. is awesome, and especially like this year, and you see it growing in popularity." But I watched like the Storm play this year. And it, it's, like a, it's like a better version of the Spurs. That like they're passing everywhere and they're just like this like mm-hmm. perfect. I mean, um, so how do you think it's going to impact women in the future and women's basketball in the future?
3: Yeah, I think it, it, it certainly has already impacted a lot of um, little girls who are, who are looking up to these players, yeah. um, not only for the basketball aspect. Like, you know, you look at Sue Bird and you're looking at her, her point guard skills. Like, yeah. you, if, if you want to be a point guard, you need to study Sue Bird.
2: Um,
3: But, you know, just the way these women carry themselves both on and off the court. I mean, the energy, um, the attitude, the just role model position that they have, like these little girls are watching. Um, And, you know, along the way, we'll we'll see um, how this league continues to grow. um, And we'll see the the, the league um, pretty much just continue to be involved with Um, different programs that allow for little girls to essentially participate in basketball and you know learn their love for basketball so this has definitely made a huge impact um, on on a lot of little girls and and not even just little girls just women women around the world in general yeah Um, that's right you know so this is this is great for for everyone
1: yeah Kiki I don't think we could have said any better I think this is a good growing point for the game and I'm already excited for next season now. Like now, I need my, my sparks to not get dropped early in the playoffs. So was kind of a bummer for me. No,
3: uh, man, just just come,
1: you, just, just get Ricky. a storm jersey, just get a Stewie no, jersey, man, just do no, it. And Sparker, you know, we're we're we sparks over here.
2: We're getting a we're getting a dog pretty soon here, right. and we're talking about names the dog. Instead of Sue Bird, I want to name our dog Sue Dog. Didn't really go over as well with my wife, but <laughs> <laughs> it was Sue Dog a try, in honor right? of the
1: legend. <laughs> Oh, gosh. All right. Kiki, oh, thank you for joining us. That was great. <laughs> Glad we All could right. talk WNBA and Sue Dog. <laughs> Unbelievable.
3: Appreciate you guys.
1: All right. That was great talking to Kiki. It's always super insightful. I am super excited about the WNBA next year already. Uh, let's get into our next topic here. We're calling this one Goodbye, Hello. One thing we want to do with our platform is to try to take a positive spin on things when we can. So this segment, we're going to say goodbye, But also hello to a new opportunity. With every goodbye, there's a new opportunity that opens. So with that, goodbye, Bill O'Brien. Hello, new chance for Deshaun Watson. Every year, we've got people wagering on the first coach to be fired, and we have our answer. Never happy when anybody gets fired, but I think everybody kind of saw this one coming. Head coach, GM, guy who really didn't like surrounding his QB with elite talent, Bill (laughs) O'Brien. He's no longer part of the Texans organization. Subtle Uh, shot at Bill (laughs) O'Brien. Yeah, people people have been kind of ripping him apart in the media, I'm going to be honest. If you type in Bill O'Brien right now, it's it's going to be tough to find a, a nice story. Only because it seems to be the general consensus is he took on a lot of responsibility, and then anytime something went wrong, he put the blame on somebody else. He seemed like a good guy from the hard-knock seasons that I watched. It's unfortunate, but it just wasn't cut out for him. He kept taking more and more jobs, and now he lost all of them. With that said, let's say hello to a new opportunity for Deshaun Watson. I'm really hoping that we get a coach that can come in and a GM that's going to be on the same page, willing to build around a QB. We've seen that with the Ravens and the Chiefs. That's a model for how you build around the strengths of your quarterback. Deshaun Watson is an elite, elite talent. We need to maximize that while he's still in the prime of his career. Definitely. So the next one we have
2: is goodbye Jets and Adam Gase. And hello opportunity for Sam Darnold, potentially. So Adam Gase hasn't been fired yet, but you got to imagine that it's it's coming. You know, and we feel bad for Jets fans. I mean, the last time they were happy was right before the Mark Sanchez butt fumble, maybe, maybe like Chad Pennington, Curtis Martin era, but they just cannot get over the hump. And maybe if, if Adam Gase is gone, maybe that gives Sam Darnold a new chance to thrive. The dude obviously is very talented, he was killing it at USC. We do have the potential of the Jets completely blowing it and drafting Trevor Lawrence. And maybe Darnold never gets his shot. So I don't know. We'll see. But for right now, goodbye Jets. Goodbye, Adam Gase. Hello, new opportunity for Sam Darnold.
1: Next one. Goodbye, Reds. Hello, Trevor Bauer's new team. The Reds were absolutely disgusting pitching rotation-wise. Bauer, Castillo, Gray. That was a nice three-headed giant. Offense put up a whopping zero runs in two games in the playoffs, setting an MLB postseason record for the longest scoreless streak of 21 innings to start a postseason. Tough look. I really liked a lot of the pieces they had there. They are now most likely going to lose Trevor Bauer. He's one of the most important people in the game right now. Uh, He's already said he's not ruling out any team. He seems to be a total hired gun at this point. Whoever's going to pay the man, he will go there. He said he's fine with the Astros. He's already been seen in Boston. It's going to be interesting to see where he goes because he is very important to baseball.
2: Absolutely. The next one we have is goodbye, Twins, and hello, continuation of the Astros' shame tour. So this stat does not sound real, but it is. Bear with me here. The Minnesota Twins set the record for the longest playoff losing streak in any U.S. sport with 18 straight losses. That's insane to me. So goodbye, Twins, but hello, chance to continue to hate on the Houston Astros. As a Mariners fan who has been routinely crushed by the Astros, I hate them so much, and I have so enjoyed watching them absolutely get torn apart. So a part of me is really frustrated that they're still there. The other part of me kind of loves to continue to hate them and, you know, get to kind of, I guess, project my anger onto the Houston Astros. So goodbye, twins.
1: Hello, Astros. Thank yeah, it's unfortunate they keep winning. They did lose today to the A's as we record this, thankfully. But, uh, yeah, frustrating the Astros are house still going here. Uh, last one here, goodbye NFL perfect record. We officially have our first stain on the attendance record of the NFL. We've had the Titans game pushed back already. We had Chiefs-Patriots get rescheduled, and we didn't get to see Cam Newton The hello here, I guess, is hello, a chance at a new streak and maybe some new (laughs) protocols, they're going to fix this because tough luck for the league. But football has been exciting. And with that said, I want to get into some relationship building here. Okay. I'm going to give you some divisions of teams. I broke it down into the different levels of seriousness of our relationship, how I feel about these teams. And I want your opinion on where some of these lie at the end. So my first section here. This is the section where the teams – I'm taking seriously. I think our relationship's in a good place. I am extremely confident these are elite, good teams. I got four here. Chiefs, Seahawks, Ravens, Packers. Pretty simple. I trust all these teams. Ravens sketched me out against the Chiefs, but I don't see them winning less than 11 games this season. It seems like a lock playoff team, a good playoff team. They're a dangerous team. The rest of them should be pretty obvious at this point. It's interesting here. Seahawks are really good – because of Russell
2: Wilson, yep. I've watched every minute of every Seahawks game this year, and their defense is
1: absolutely atrocious. Not good. They are really, really bad at defense. Yeah, but you can't tell me that they're not a top team right now. Like, I, no, they are one hundred percent a top team.
2: I'm yep. just saying the it's serious. You know, maybe we're crushing. Maybe we're crushing
1: hard. All I'm saying is, right now, this is my through four weeks projection. Any of these teams can move up and down, and there is a section here built in for teams that I'm not so sure about, but I am very confident that each of these teams is very good at football. That is something that I'm not worried about. These are gonna be top teams for this year. Next category, I am confident they're gonna be good, but could see a couple of these falling in or out. I've got three here. This is the category that I'm crushing on. Steelers, Bills, Pats. Steelers haven't really beaten anybody of significance yet, but it seems like a solid football team. The Bills have Josh Allen, with his head on fire. I don't know what's up with him, but he's playing out of his mind. And Patriots with Cam Newton. I love, I'm all in on Cam Newton and I can't believe I'm saying that I like watching the Patriots, but it's just so interesting watching a Bill Belichick coach team succeed like this. I also can't imagine a world where I'm excited to watch the bills play,
2: but with Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs, like they've been fun. Like it's been like, I've loved
1: watching them play. So I'm in, I'm crushing on these teams as well. I don't know how long the Josh Allen thing can be sustained at this level, but hey man, good for him for, for doing it through four games already. This next category here, I need more dates here. I'm not sure how I feel about these teams. I, I can see them going up or down either way. But I see some promise or some holes here. I've got the three and one Browns. Then I've got the Saints, the Bucks, the Titans, the Cowboys, whoosh, the Lions, Cardinals, Colts, Raiders, Bears. Colts defense has been elite. I could see them moving up easily. The Titans, they were 3-0 going into this week. Now we've got coronavirus. Don't really know what's going to happen there. And the Saints and Bucks, two interesting teams. Also teams projected a lot higher at the beginning of the season. But I just need to see more from them. I'm not sold. So these are teams, again, I just need to see a little bit more before I can really decide whether I want to bump them up or down.
2: I think for me, I'm bumping the Bears down. I I don't need more dates for the Bears. I'm down with the Bears. Bears You're saying no playoffs for the Bears? No, I was saying if you are in a quarterback controversy like the one they are in, it's not going to work out. Nick Foles is a, a starter.
1: Yeah, not well, good. I'm not a huge Bears guy myself. I do think I'm with you that the the quarterback situation is sticky. But if you get a good Nick Foles, you get a good Nick Foles. It's just you're kind of –
2: But here's my thing is when you when you really dive into the numbers around Nick, a, a quote-unquote good Nick Foles, it actually ends up just kind of being a lucky Nick Foles. When you dive into the analytics around percentage of his throws, like when you look in the Super Bowl, he made technically the wrong decision on two of his that. three touchdown touchdowns. I, 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 I don't know about
1: that. I, I, I don't know I'm about just that. saying that – I don't always buy into that stuff post.
2: I mean, the age-old question, is it better to be lucky or good? Yeah, I mean, he – Nick, Nick Foles he, might be the definition
1: of it's better to be lucky. He came back in and won that game when they put him in, in the middle of the game. I don't love the Bears, the 3-1. and one. I just need a little bit more time on them. The next category, uh, these teams I'm already just willing to say they're bad. They're friend-zoned. I'm friend-zoning this next group. They're at least watchable, though, and there's some fun to be had with these. The Bengals, Jags, Dolphins, Falcons, Texans, Panthers, Vikings, Eagles, Chargers, Niners. This is a big category. I'm already ruling out all of these teams from being – Remotely decent. Even even uh, the the Eagles here, who are currently leading their division at one, nice two, dude. and one, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is, it's, it's, it's absurd. Yeah, but I, I don't I don't see them making a splash. Play. Like the, they can make the playoffs, they can win their division. That's great. I, they're not good. They're not good. Here's they're hurt name. every year. They can't maintain. Yeah. Not, not, no team. The only reason why the
2: Dolphins are watchable is because they have the man with the legend, Ryan Fitzpatrick, at the helm.
1: He could that, well, you just well, never
2: know what's going to happen with him.
1: Right. But that's what I'm saying. That's it's also it's he's electric from game. He could be really good or really bad, but they also have the opportunity to potentially put Tua in at any point. For that reason, I'm also very interested in what the Dolphins That are is true. Do. Yeah, That is very true. The Falcons, I think they're, they were actually predicted to be a good team for the season. And it's kind of sad, but I just don't see them being able to flip a mental switch after those just demoralizing losses to now figure this out. And the Texans, 0-4, even with Sean, That's not a playoff team. The Niners, too banged up. It's it's There's some sad teams in here, but there's also some hope, right? Like the Bengals, Joe Burrow. I don't think they're winning six games this year, but I still think it's fun to watch. That's true. That's very true. Chargers, Justin Herbert, same thing. It's not like this next category. Uh, I need a restraining order from these teams. These teams are – I can't even begin to want to watch this. Jets, Giants, Washington football team, and the Broncos. Jets and Giants, the New York football scene is is just a tragedy. We all know what's going on with those two teams. Adam Gase likely won't be there too much longer. Broncos are just too beat up. And Washington just benched Dwayne Haskins today. There seems to be no clarity what's going on there. They look like they could be a decent football team with some of the pieces they have, actually, but it's it's not not ready yet. So The only
2: reason why Washington might move into the – uh, friend zone category would potentially be if Alex Smith gets the play. He just yeah. moved up to second on the yeah. depth chart. That would, if he plays, that would be amazing to see what happens. I'm worried about so that is, could, that could be a story.
1: Yeah. I will say there's also uh, a long discourse that was going on today about the opportunity, the black quarterbacks get in this league with a lot of stats of Dwayne Haskins being compared to Daniel Jones and uh Dwayne haskins numbers were actually better than Andrew jones and people mm-hmm. have not had the same uh heated desire to get rid of Andrew Jones. so this is a larger conversation that i think we can have another time but it is something to to think about the short leash on black quarterbacks is either you're elite or you're not playing and i think there's a lot of problems with our the way race is handled in sports and in the nfl oh absolutely i mean look at cam newton yeah cam, like you look at his
2: deals like yeah. what like are you serious yeah. the deal yeah. like cam newton was an mvp yeah. not too long ago and he barely found a job and oh, all crazy. of a sudden he's killing it right i mean that narrative is a huge
1: stain on the nfl that they need to figure it out it's obviously a more than major the nfl issue. unfortunately though it's the whole country but again this is a, a longer discussion we can we can and should have at another time i mean if you're trying to talk about the whole country we can dive into the whole country but <laughs> <laughs> should, nah, we'll be here all night yeah before we talk to Sydney and Alana, let's get into Jordan Club, Buckner Club. Tim, who is your selection for the Jordan Club?
2: My Jordan Club is Sue Bird, but you might as well call her Sue Goat. She is incredible. Two-time NCAA champion, four-time FIBA World Cup champ, four-time Olympic gold medal winner, five-time EuroLeague champion, four-time WNBA champion. This is year 17 for her, and she is just killing it, just, just setting assist records all over the place she's just doing her thing obviously um gotta give the shout out Seattle and Queen Anne if you're listening Sue Bird you just live really close to you you're awesome I just want to be you and Megan you guys are so cool um obviously you're one of the best to ever lace them up and a Seattle sports icon and Sue Bird is just an absolute legend so Sue
1: Bird congrats on winning your fourth championship you're a legend Fourth championship in year seventeen, kind of like uh, LeBron James, maybe. Uh, we talked about both of these two earlier. My my selection is Brown Stewart. How to do it to him? This this duo, Seattle Storm, ridiculous. Sue Bird, your pick, drafted in two thousand two. Brown Stewart, drafted in twenty sixteen. She was the high school national Gatorade Player of the Year, Gatorade Female Athlete of the Year, McDonald's All American. Won four NCAA titles, four NCAA Final Four Most Ascending Player. Three-time consensus national college player of the year, 2016 WNBA rookie of the year, 2016 gold medalist, 2018 MVP, two-time champion, two-time Finals MVP. At 26 years old, you've got to be kidding me, Brianna Stewart, Stewie, legend. This duo, unstoppable, and that's why the Storm won it all this year. Shout out to those two, Tim Buckner Club. My Buckner Club
2: is people celebrating touchdowns too early. <laughs> I don't get how this has happened multiple weeks in a row now. Two guys did it this past week. First, Kentucky running back, A.J. Rose, celebrated way too early. Get caught from behind at the one-yard line. Two plays later, loses the ball on a fumble trying to reach it over. the Like, really? Come on, dude. You had this huge 72 run. Just, like, I'm, I'm all for celebrating. Just wait until you've done it, right? Like, come on. <laughs> we also had one on, on Saturday. Abilene Christian's Lionel McConnell thinks he has the easy touchdown, throws up the deuces again, and gets tackled behind. He pops up like he's jacked up, like he had some big run, when he clearly should have had a touchdown, and he didn't. And I just, I'm I'm like, how the heck does this keep happening? Like, what? Like, just get into the end zone, then do whatever the heck you want to do. I don't care. Take your shirt off, do whatever, like, sign babies, do whatever you want to do. But just... Score the freaking touchdown first
1: Tim I have my next episode of bookmarks coming up soon and this is one of those segments I am 1000 1000 percent on board I'm not gonna uh, get into it too deep here because I will reserve that for bookmarked but you could not be more correct I cannot believe this is still happening my Buckner club Florida Florida's governor Ron DeSantis cleared hard rock stadium where the Dolphins play for 65,000 fans at Dolphins games uh I don't know if you're aware, Tim, but we are still in a pandemic. So 65,000 fans, maybe not great. The Dolphins still haven't uh, unveiled a plan to have more than 20,000. So hopefully they go into it slowly. But let's just think about this. This country is pretty far behind with its corona response. Germany is still not allowing fans in most of their stadiums.
2: What are we doing here,
1: people? Real bad.
2: Really? 65,000 fans at Dolphins games. Can you even get 65,000 fans
1: at Dolphins games? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <Ish>. <laughs> tough look, tough look. All right. It's time to talk to Sydney and Alana. This is a great conversation. So be sure to tune in and follow all these girls on social media. They are amazing. All right. We are very excited to welcome two of the best and brightest up and coming in the sports industry, Sydney Large and Alana Moraz. Welcome to What's Poppin', guys. It is a pleasure to have you here.
0: Thank you for having us. Really appreciate the invite.
1: Of course. Yeah, anytime. And this is, I already, I told you guys offline, but we've had a couple people already reach out about being super excited to get to listen to you guys because they already love what you're doing. So it's a testament to the work you've already put in. But speaking of that, let's get a little bit of background on who you guys are. You are the founders of Support Women in Sports. And uh, we want to have you discuss your journey, how you're changing the sports industry, Let's start with a little background. Explain who you guys are, 60 seconds each, two-minute drill.
4: I'm Sydney Large. I recently graduated from the University of Minnesota back in May. I say that's recent, but that was about six months ago. Currently, I am the social media manager at Open Doors. Um, they do a lot in the endorsement space with athletes and brands, and I'm really diving into all the name, image, and likeness stuff too so i'm super excited to be with them um they're awesome so far been like three weeks so still kind of getting a swing of things there but um i'm also pretty heavily involved with super bowl each year so i'm cool. technically the nfl one pass manager on wow. site at super bowl experience so i've been doing that for the past yeah three years which is wow.
2: that's crazy awesome.
4: um I was a student athlete at Minnesota. I was really actively involved in our communications department as well um, during my time there. So that's kind of how I got like my start in sports.
0: Yeah, my name's Alana Maraz. I did my undergrad at Arizona State University. And I graduated in May of 2019, so I have a couple years on Sydney. Um, and then after that, I went to grad school in Barcelona, Spain, which was like super exciting and then came home because of COVID. Um, but my past sports experiences, game operations, game presentation with the Arizona Diamondbacks, um, Phoenix Rising, a few like sports commissions here in AZ as well, and yeah. I was able to hop on board with Sydney to do the support women in sports and it's been great so far.
2: That's awesome. So as you guys said, you guys do support women in sports. Can you guys just explain for all of our listeners what exactly support women in sports is and how, what you guys are up to?
4: Yeah. So this crazy journey actually started as a sticker on Twitter and in the very beginning, Alana was the first person to see the sticker design. Yeah. So like, that's kind of cool that she's really been involved in the process, like all the way through. Um, And it really just kind of like popped off on Twitter, I guess you could say, and gained a lot of traction. And we did like one round of sticker sales and it went really well. And I was like, oh, I'm really surprised this went so well. Mm -hmm. And then after like the second round of sales, like kind of realized that there was a space in this sports industry community that was missing, especially for women in sports. And like just seeing all of the sort like support behind it, I guess, like pushed us to create this platform. And then about, I would say three or four days later, the whole Washington football team stuff came out. Okay. So we kind of like saw that too um, to like really make our platform like a safe space for women in the industry to like come and communicate and talk about some like hard topics, um, while spreading positive vibes. That's kind of been our motto from the beginning. Um, and doing that along the process. And then Alana approached me and was like, we should start a podcast. And I was like, I don't know. Like this was (laughs) like prime me, like job hunt. I was like, I don't know if I can commit to a podcast right now. And she's like, not like, it will be fine. So we started the podcast and it's been great. And yeah, it's just continued to blow up. Really. Uh, We gained a thousand followers in a week and we just had our three month anniversary today. And we're at like, almost 4,500 followers. So that's that's, it's just insane to see, um, that growth. I
0: mean, I was going to say Sydney, like she said, she sent me like the text and she was like, Hey, like what about the sticker? And I was like, yes, like, please make the sticker. Like I want the sticker. Um, and then she just, you know, started creating on the platforms and the podcast definitely was my idea. I was like, we should really do this, like kind of to create, a library almost of sorts, like of all these different women that are in the sports industry, like so people that are looking to break in can listen to them, people that maybe want to switch departments, like leagues, anything, like they can listen to it and just hear um about other women's experiences and kind of giving them a platform that often women in sports don't have yeah. has been kind of our whole mission behind it.
1: Yeah, and maybe that's a good starting point. I want to get into some of the branding and the sticker more specifically in a bit, but why do we need this platform? Like explain some of the reasons that it shouldn't even have to be said, but what are some of those challenges that women are facing in sports and why is this so important for you guys and for so many of the other people who have already started following you and supporting this cause so loyally?
4: I think definitely just like awareness of it is a number one and just showcasing that like, hey, women in the sports industry are doing a lot of really cool things. And first like bringing awareness to that was like, has always been my number one priority. we all know that this is a highly competitive industry to be in. And I think in a lot of positions as well, it's like even more highly competitive for women. And it's not just like women getting a seat at the table too. Like sometimes women are competing for like very few seats at the table, like within themselves. So I think like, that's something important to note too. Like, it's not just like, like men versus women in the industry too. It's like helping women be more comfortable around women in the industry too. Like, I think that's a very, um, not like an issue, but it is something that comes up a lot. So like having a space to like showcase everybody's work and like treat everybody together as a whole. And then I will let Alana talk more about imposter syndrome because that's something that she's done a lot of research on. And that's another reason why we kind of like have gotten into this when we talk about imposter syndrome a lot I mean, I guess like the third reason or fourth reason is like the future generation especially and just showing that kids in high school and even younger uh, they have a place in this industry and they can do whatever they want in this industry I was really lucky enough to get my start in sports in high school working for like a Northwoods League baseball team but oh, I don't think like every high school kid gets that same experience so like just like putting that out there too like there's there's a lot of opportunities in that space
0: yeah um kind of like what sydney said we've always been about spreading like the good vibes and i know that when i was in the sports industry like i was kind of looking for that community just like aspect of women in sports like whether it was at my job or even online like just to see like other women killing it and like you know someone to look up to so i think that's been a really big reason why and on imposter syndrome, <laughs> it's been a very hot topic. Yeah. Um, I feel like it's so prevalent in the sports industry. And then it just like takes it a whole other level just to be a woman in sports. Um, we all know it is a male dominated field. So to be able to talk about like, hey, like you might like not know her, but like this, there's this incredible woman and she's like the director of marketing for this NBA team. Like we had a guest the other day come on and say, if you see her, you can be her. And I hold it to be true, like so near dear in my heart that if we can show women all of these amazing women that are already killing it and like that they can follow in their footsteps, it'll help them like feel more comfortable and more confident that they can go work in the sports industry and like one day get to where they want to be.
1: No, And that's something we just talked to one of our good friends who's a women's basketball coach at the college level. And she was just talking about the importance of the WNBA getting more coverage on platforms like Bleach Report and how important that's going to be just for getting the sport out there. Um, so it's really cool that you guys are there to champion a lot of that. And I know, Sydney, on your platform, on your own Twitter, you are like as positive as it gets with the inspirational messages every day. I would highly recommend the follow because it's like, all right, you know what? Like, I, I think I can do my day today. It's it's, it's a refreshing <laughs> way to, to scroll through your timeline. But what are some of the stories that maybe you guys have that you've either heard or just instances like the Washington football team where it shows how much we still have to go in this industry and some of those specific examples of why we're, why you guys need to push this message. We all need to push this message.
4: Yeah. We've heard so many just like through the podcast. And then we did a a little project a while back of amplifying voices in the industry. And there are a lot of just really real stories through that that I think showcased a lot and, We kind of took a break from it on our platform, but I think we will be starting it up again soon just because it's important for people to share their voice and their stories. I mean, there's been so many, like I can't even just like pick out one. It's just like, it's a lot of little things too. It's a lot of situations that probably could have been easily like avoided. So I think at the end of the day, like just being aware and then like, I don't know, I guess like going off your point, like all the little positive messages, like even on my personal feed, burnout is a very real thing, um, especially in sports, especially women in sports, going through imposter syndrome and all of that. I went through it really badly my senior year of college. And there was like a really low point in my college career where I was questioning if I even belonged in this industry. And if I wanted to continue like pursuing this. So I think like just realizing that too. And I kind of like get on these like quote, like streaks. I don't know. But like my big <laughs> one right now is like looking at every day as an opportunity instead of a challenge. And it's like taking that into every day. But looking at that as like the sports industry too, like it's such an opportunity to be in this industry. It drives me nuts when people – um consistently complain about everything that's going on so it's like okay i want this to be a welcoming and inviting um community both working in sports and online
1: alana i want to hear if you have any specific examples and maybe also would be helpful to like define what imposter syndrome means to to you guys like what what's a general definition that we're, we're using here
0: yeah um so i personally i talked about this on the podcast um on one that we did actually, Sydney and I as guests. Yeah. I was in grad school. I was the only girl on my cohort. It was me and 26 others. And I was oh. in a different country and the only one from the US. And I was like, I'm in for it. Um, <laughs> and it Jeez. Yeah, I learned a lot. I grew, like I have amazing friends that come, came out of that. But I had a professor that told me that the only reason, Alex Morgan, Serena Williams, all these incredible female athletes, they were only recognized because they were pretty. It wasn't because uh. they were good. It wasn't because they broke records. Like it was so many things, and I was like, "Oh my!" And I didn't know what to say. Like right. I, I am the only woman, and like I'm pretty sure, like I was so outspoken about being a woman in sports that all my classmates, like when I told them I started a podcast about it, they're like, "This is so on brand. Like this is you." So <laughs> like everyone knew, right? And I'm yeah. like fuming in the front seat of my class. I to this day, I don't know what I would have said, right. but and I really had to bite it. Like I had really had to bite my tongue. But I think, like personal experience. Those, it's those kinds of stories that we're I'm literally in Europe and you're telling me that Serena Williams is only recognized because she's pretty like really like come on you can't you can't sit there and tell me that um and there goes Alex Morgan now with her baby across the ocean to go work to go play and it's like you're yeah. going to tell me it's because she's pretty um so personally that's sure. my grant on that yeah. <laughs> um, imposter syndrome though wise I for me personally like, it just feels like you are in this room. You're at the seat at the table, like what Sydney said, but you don't feel like you can say anything. One of our guests the other day, she said that she'll, like, give an answer, an idea. She's like, but, you know, like, it's up to you. Or, but, like, I don't know. And I feel personally attacked because I do it all the time. Like, I, I'll be like, oh, yeah, this is a great <laughs> idea. But, but, you know, like, it's up to you. Like, I don't know.
3: Yeah. And I
0: feel like that's imposter syndrome right there. Like, I feel like I'm questioning my own opinions and ideas mm. just because, like, I don't feel like I belong or like I shouldn't be speaking up even though like I've earned where I am today right yeah
4: Yeah. like going off of that like for me it's never being good enough like in my own head so it's like whatever I do I know that I can I feel like I should be able to be doing it better and like I feel like different people experience imposter syndrome in different ways and I think it's defined in a lot of different ways but it's a very real issue in this industry and especially for like women in this industry like almost everybody we've talked to on our podcast I feel like we've touched on imposter syndrome at some point yeah yeah, yeah.
2: like I, I mean I can't even imagine how difficult it must be like it's already it's already difficult to be in this industry which you guys have said like as a white male like and and so like as a female having to go through all this stuff and then looking around a room like you were saying a lot and being the only the only woman in the room being like uh okay like that has got to contribute to the imposter system like tenfold
0: yeah i mean i we wrote i wrote an article about it like a little blog post about it but i really see it to be true and now whenever i see tweets that it's like when does imposter syndrome stop like i send them to sydney because it's like this is just like it's true like literally like we laugh about it but it's like we literally like to this day still go through it here and there that we still have like imposter syndrome like it doesn't stop like i I'm sure there's like anchors at ESPN that have been there like for years, and it probably still doesn't stop because it's just so prevalent in the sports industry.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think it's like we bring, we bring up some of these names of like these high-profile women, but who are who are some women that you guys really look up to in the industry? Um, who are you know pioneers who are really blazing blazing the path? I mean, obviously we can you know name some of like the, the big ones that everyone kind of knows, but are there some ones that are um, that you guys are really looking up to?
4: This is, like, a loaded question, and, like, I'm somebody who doesn't like to pick out just one person. Alana knows that. I always, like, circle around the question. (laughs) She always makes fun of me for this, but, like, there's so many, and I hate picking just one, but, like, as of recent, some people, like, I've really looked up to are, like, AJ Curry, who does social for the NFL. Like, she does an awesome job, and she's always just, like, speaking about um, women in sports. Uh, Jenny Fisher from She's, awesome. w, she's yep. at the WNBA now, but she's a lot with like the NCAA and like her experience of being a student athlete as well. And then like just going in to like the sports industry, like really kind of like relates with me. Anya Packer's a huge one too. I know Alana and I both look up to, she's the director of the NWHLPA and we got a chance to talk with her the other day yep. and she was amazing to talk to in person it's like I've been looking up to her yeah. on Twitter for such a long time so I guess those are kind of like my three right now but that's definitely an, an always evolving list yeah I'm surprised you picked some Sydney um, <laughs> I know I like I was like I really had to challenge myself here and I can't let Alana down <laughs> hey this question
2: was an opportunity not a challenge
4: yeah. Hey yeah hey there we go so I like to see
0: so it um so like my I guess bigger name would definitely be Ariel Chambers like I will die on this hill I love her and kind of like what you were saying um Richard she is at Bleacher Report now and she's giving the W that coverage at highlight her and I just I love her she's incredible and I love how she's been able to cross over the W with the NWSL and with Anya Packer the NWHL like I Live for crossovers, and I just love seeing them all interact and just like see them bring the different fans from all the sports to support other women athletes. Um, so that's definitely a big one. And we, um, Cindy and I interviewed this uh, lady who works at U of Indy. Right. Okay. The yeah,
4: University of Indianapolis yes. We like <laughs> accidentally got the school name wrong Like three yeah, times like, <laughs> <beginning> <laughs> podcast <stuff>. uh, yeah. <laughs> She was the fine. Di- director of diversity And
0: women at the athletic department But she is so heavily involved in wrestling That I sat there the whole time And I was just like soaking it all in Like I didn't know anything about it And like NCA sports And like just to hear her like talk about it I was like oh my gosh like here I am like I, I don't, I know, I don't know at all, but I was definitely sitting there like, oh my gosh, like this is incredible. Like how much, you know, and like how involved you are in this sport. So she's definitely someone to look up to just to see her. I feel like she's almost like working quietly as they say, like, you know, don't let, don't bring the attention to yourself because one day people will see it. Um, It's definitely like, she's someone to look up to. And yeah, I think that's my top two, honestly. I have I one more to add I
4: actually. Oh, oh. I have one more to add, like who am I right now? Um. Like Jen Welter, I think is a really big one too. Um, she's recently gotten a lot more. She's always gotten a lot of attention on the field, yeah. but but even more um, in, in coaching and all of that. But yeah. I had to I had to add her in there.
1: There you I go. It's cool that you guys named a lot of people who aren't like public figures. You name people that you know, either personally yeah. through Twitter or research or just you know doing this. I guess I think it's cool that you found a bunch of people that are personal to you. Uh, and it's it's funny the way that this industry works, and I guess Twitter works, is somebody like Jenny, somebody else I've just stumbled upon on on Twitter. It's cool that there's this little community here. That's that's one of the things. Tim is I think a fringe Twitter guy, so sometimes I have to explain like there is still good on Twitter. Like you don't worry, it, it'll be okay. I, there's a lot a, of negatives, but I, I love and hate Twitter. I love and hate Twitter. It's good for the things like that, like the community building and getting to know you guys and getting to know Jenny and people like that another thing I wanted to kind of discuss was the branding of support women in sports. Like you guys do an incredible job of making it really cool to look at. Like, obviously that was an easy way to to sell stickers because it was actually a really cool sticker. And now it's, I've seen you expanded a bunch of different ways, even the graphics, the color packaging you guys use, like what inspired the look of all this, who's doing this, who's making all this stuff.
4: Yeah, I guess (laughs) I did a lot of it. I probably did more of the heavy lifting. Um, (laughs) I've had a social media background for the past two and a half, three years. So, like, that's something that really came naturally to me. And I guess, like, starting from the beginning, like, when this account was made, I... out of school i had accepted a job with the indianapolis colts but unfortunately due to covid that position was cut before i could start so i'm somebody who always has to constantly be doing things so the whole starting with twitter was honestly like me like needing to do something and like all the branding behind it was me needing to do something (laughs) so like i'm really happy that like covid had allowed that time for me to do that because i don't think it would have been as strong as it is without all of it. So it was like with the branding, there wasn't really a ton of like specific, it was kind of like a go with the flow type deal. And like, we just pulled the colors out of the stickers. I literally like looked up like a sunset picture from my iPhone and pulled all the colors from the logo out of that. Um,
2: (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah,
4: so like that's actually how our color scheme like happen I don't even know if Alana knows that but yeah (laughs) so like that's how I picked the colors was from a sunset picture and uh yeah I kind of just like grew from there and we're really excited that we're going to continue to grow it and I think something in this industry that I've seen become like really prevalent is unpaid creatives and people brands and small businesses taking advantage of young creatives be like hey like you can do this project just to build your portfolio it's like you know like we need to like break that chain so we're actually starting a creative fund where we're going to start paying um, young creatives preferably female creatives um, for one-off projects to like kind of grow our brand Alana and I have both started jobs recently within the past two weeks. So trying to have our platform be scalable from a marketing and creative standpoint um, and also consistency and, and giving back to our own community.
1: I'm telling you, you guys have all the pieces in place to really grow this thing. Like it looks really cool and it's awesome that you're already like paying people now. To, I saw the the holographic uh, stickers that are now helping fund some of that uh, creative work. So you guys have it all, the foundation's all there and it's already growing super fast. So super cool what you guys are doing. Maybe let's get into a little specifics on what you guys do now because you're both really good on social media. You just said you have the background in social media. This is something that I didn't know that I was going to end up doing until I was in grad school. So maybe talk to us about uh, what you're doing at Open Doors and how you view your own social media channels and like some of those things that you said come a little naturally on social. What are those things that maybe somebody who wants to get started maybe they don't know they want to get started what are some of those things
4: yeah so fun fact I've said this before I Alana knows this I actually didn't really touch my personal Twitter until COVID happened wow. so like I was not active on Twitter until about March 15th of wow. this year maybe even a little bit later um and yeah it just kind of like took off. Like I've always done brand and team social. Yeah. So like I was always on Twitter and like those aspects, but I never really paid attention to my personal a couple of my friends at the time were running sports as a job and cool. they were doing like online Twitter chats. And I was like, yeah, I guess I'll too. participate in these yeah. uh, and support you guys. So that's kind of like where I became active on Twitter. And I quickly found like there's a huge community of sports professionals on Twitter previously i had met matthew kobach via twitter and that was like a very one-off thing back in like late november so like seeing his presence too on twitter and like how he grew his personal brand has always been like an inspiration to me um and yeah like weirdly enough i met him in person like via twitter like he will forever (laughs) be like one of the first people i met on twitter and like he i I kind of give him credit for like getting me actually active on Twitter. Um, and I like at the time too, I did not realize like how big of a deal he was until yeah. like yeah. after the fact. So, <laughs> so like that was really random. <laughs> um, so thanks Matt. And uh, <laughs> yeah, so like it just got like, kind of took off from there um, really like from a personal branding perspective and with open doors, I've, you've probably seen my tweets within the last few days. Yeah. Like I've really been interested with their company for probably the past two years. I did several college projects using Open Door's as an example. Um, I just really liked what they're doing, especially in the NIL space. Being a previous student athlete and seeing yeah. the opportunity there, uh, it's good. it's going to be great. But like Blake has always been somebody I've really looked up to um, in this industry and somebody I've followed closely just because he is so vocal with his own personal brand and yep. and I like the story behind it too of of athletes helping athletes so I'm really excited to be a part of it and kind of like my role there I'm running all their own social channels and we're we're growing pretty rapidly so continuing that growth on social and establishing us as a leader in the endorsement community is really my main goal so you all should follow Open Doors and help me out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but sure. yeah, it's like, it's fun. It's really fun so far. And, and this whole journey has been really insane. Like within the past six months, like I feel like I have grown more professionally, really within these past 12 months than I ever have in my entire life. So it's really cool to see that.
1: That's Alana, talk cool. about that thread you have on yours. I, I love it. I love following your, oh, your thread every day.
0: My thread. Thanks. Um yeah, so uh, it's Hispanic Heritage Month. It's like ending uh, mid next week. Um and I am like a very proud Latina. Like I've always been very proud to be bilingual, you know, be Mexican, everything of that sort. And I was just like really looking up like Hispanics in the sports industry, and I found an article from like Sports Illustrated from like 2013, and I'm like, this is so outdated. Like, why aren't we talking about, you know, the people that are in it now? And it doesn't have to be the most influential. Like, literally, someone who's a social media coordinator that's Latino. Like, great, let's feature, like, let's talk about it. Like, let's show, almost kind of like what support women in sports is, right? Like, show these women you can work in sports. Kind of like showing Latinos, like, hey, there's other Latinos, and they do pretty cool things. Um. So yeah, I like texted Sydney about it. And I was like, I think I'm going to do this. I was like, I feel like this is like part of me. And like, I should talk about it. Like, I love sports. I love being Hispanic. Like, let's just do it. She's like, yeah, like, go for it. So I've been tweeting a picture out every single day, um, since September 15th, 14th, um, about different Hispanics that are in the sports industry. And I've been able to connect with a few of them. I've gotten like a couple follows from like very large people in the sports industry. And I'm like, hello, uh, like they, tweet <laughs> like, about you. Um, and yeah, like I've gotten a lot of positive feedback too. Like people are like, oh my gosh, like this is so needed. And I mean, it's true. Like I will give credit to the Sacramento Kings. Like I came across there um blog post series that they have about Latinos that work for them. It's like very large credit to them. Like I think it's amazing what they're doing, but I've been very surprised that, you know, ESPN hasn't been like, hey, here are the 10 most influential Hispanics in the sports industry. Like, you know, or Bleacher Report, something. Like, you know, even like the smallest thing just recognizing that it was happening. Yeah. It was kind of like, hey, it's September 15th. It's Hispanic Heritage Day. Like, woohoo, done. Like we're done now and it's like no but it's like a whole month like let's talk about it more and let's like show people um you know how Hispanics have influenced the sports industry because I think everyone in the world has you know every country has done their own part to put together the sports industry and what it is now uh, but yeah it's kind of how it came about in a way really
2: that's awesome that's awesome you uh, I have to connect you to my business partner her name is Louisa Mendoza she's Colombian I met her while we were both at the Brooklyn Nets and she is totally oh, yes. a power hitter in the industry. Yes. <laughs> and you guys would get along. She's she's awesome. Shout out to Louisa for listening. You're fantastic. Um, also, I mean, obviously, like, working in sports is is such a – it's so fun. It's difficult, but it's so fun. What advice would you guys give, and a lot I'm really interested to hear what you have to say, of someone who's looking to get into the industry?
4: Just go for it. Like, never be afraid to try new things. Coming into college, I was, like, dead set on, like, marketing and promotions. And, like, I heard from a lot of people that you have to go into sales first to, like, become successful in sports. No, that's not true. I mm-hmm. actually got my first sales, sales position my freshman year of college. And I'm so glad I did because I hated it. Like, it was with <laughs> Minnesota United. It was, like, an awesome program. But, like, I quickly found out. I was, like, oh, I hate sales. It was almost that's- like a checkbox for me. I was like, okay, I tried it, I'm done with it, like, I can move on, Um, and then, too, like, I think just, like, like connecting with anybody and everybody, personally, like, I'm a very extroverted person, and I will just naturally start up conversations with people, especially at, like, networking events and other events, like, the amount of random people that I've met just because I started a conversation with them is insane, so never be afraid to do that, that's kind of like where Twitter, I guess, came in for me too, like during COVID is I just took all my extroverted energy and I like threw it online. Um,
2: <laughs> That's awesome. And I
4: like, like going off of that too, like sliding into DMs. I don't think I would have gotten the job that I have today without sliding into the DMs and like keeping those connections alive too, not just like sliding into the DMs and like having a one-off question like, actually, like, building a relationship with the people that you want to build a relationship is huge, like, there are several people who I've, like, started a really good relationship, like, over this period, because we both have, like, stayed in touch frequently, and it goes both ways, really, like, I wouldn't have met Alana without sliding into the DMs or throwing something out there, I guess it was a tweet, but, like, still like just don't be afraid to reach out like the worst answer you're going to get in life is no or no response so don't be afraid to just like go out there and try it uh I think people are like sometimes scared like oh like what if they say no right. who cares what if they say no like it's it's a two letter word like don't let that make or break your career um yeah just like do that try everything I did not realize about like events would be such a huge part of my life yes I social media is my number one priority but I have a ton of experience um and events going and working Super Bowl and like from that experience like I could go work really any major like fan or event and and be just fine so and I have I did some work with Final Four like on their social media team and um their events team so trying different things I think too like being able to do multiple things in the sports industry is just going to make you more well-rounded. Like, because I've been in events so long, like I know certain things that people are either going to ask like on social or they're going to want to see on social or should be marketed better. And like being able to like kind of see it from that perspective too um, is really nice.
0: Sydney and I have never met in person. It's like a very fun fact that it's just never happened. And I think there was a point where, I almost didn't reply to her tweet because like i had i had a networked a lot in college so like oh. i was like okay we're all stuck at home everyone's like networking like again there's this whole community that i just like found on sports or of, of the sports industry that i just like found on twitter um so like looking back on it if i hadn't replied to her tweet like i don't know what the last four or five months of my life would be because they wouldn't they wouldn't be like this right. um for sure <laughs> but for me Networking is so important that I am still convincing my friends that have jobs already that are like, might be applying to other jobs to like slide into people's DMs that work at that company or that team. Like they're older than me or already have full-time jobs. And I'm like, you literally just like DM them, say you're interested in what they do. Tell them you applied to somewhere. Like, it's like a mom pushing her kid to school. I'm like, literally like the worst that can happen is they say no, or they just ignore you. And I feel like it's almost either going to be a yes or they're going to ignore you because people like aren't just going to say no, they're just going to pretend they never saw it. And if like, like, you know, like, I almost feel like if you're being ignored, you're like, okay, moving on now, like next, like whatever, like it's, it's literally whatever. So I think for people that want to break into the sports industry, it should definitely be like networking. I feel like Twitter is like king of that because LinkedIn has like not worked for me. Um, so I definitely like think Twitter is like the best thing. And like Sydney said, try everything. Like I'm now working in sponsorship and I've literally never touched sponsorship before right. aside from like activation at games.
4: I want to add like a quick, just like note to that. Yeah. Um, age is just a number. And okay. I think that's important to keep in mind as well, especially with this industry. And like, I'm 21 years old and I have a job that, probably somebody a lot older than me could have and I beat yeah. out a lot of people who are older than me like for this position and just like never being afraid of that too like I think that holds a lot of young college students back like you can be doing internships your freshman year of college yeah. like that's your age is just a number like I started working Super Bowl when I was like 18 so I think like that's really important to keep in mind because like I don't know, like some of my classmates are like, oh, I can't do an internship until like my junior or senior year. It's like, no, you can, you can go intern in high school if you want to. Like there's plenty of small leagues and teams hiring um, from there. So like mm-hmm. never let that hold, your back, hold you back because yeah. like a lot of things do. I, that goes back to the imposter syndrome thing, though, well, too, because like sometimes I'm like, oh, should I be in this position because I'm so young? But then I always have to remind myself that age is, in fact, just a number.
1: So there's a lot to unpack there because I think there's so much of what you said that is so true. But so one of the things that like really I regret in my career is I played baseball in college. I didn't know what I wanted to do. I just knew I wanted to be in sports. So my whole thing was like, you know what, I'm going to play. I'm going to figure this out as it goes. We'll make it work. And my next step was just go to grad school. So I didn't do any of the networking stuff in college. I didn't know what I was going to do. I was just going to leverage the Georgetown baseball connections and figure it out from there. And it's a total bummer because now having known all this stuff, I mean, I'm extremely happy where I am now. I wouldn't change anything, but it's super important to get started. You don't have to wait until you're looking for a job. It's trying new things. Like that's why we're hosting this podcast. We're doing stuff like this, right? We're trying new things. That's something when people call me, they ask for advice. I'm like, just do something, like, whatever it is, just go try something. It doesn't have to be anything you're an expert in. And I also love that you made the point about sales because that was one thing that we were pushed heavily on is like, Starting sales is an entry point, Starting sales, entry point. And my whole thing was, no, I don't want an entry point in sales because I don't want to do sales. So I, like, it's great to make those connections, but I don't want to do that. So that's maybe I can switch. I'd rather just spend my time focusing on something that I know I'm going to get into and enjoy down the line. So the sales thing hit, hit close to home. I know, Tim, you heard the same message over and over again. But the other thing I love to do now that I'm in the industry is if somebody reaches out to me, I will make a point. Like, Alana, you called me the other day. I want to talk to people who reach out because I know that I was the kid that was like, I I don't, I'm afraid to send a message. I don't want to get rejected. And if I did it, it meant a lot to me What people would reply. So taking the calls afterward now is something that does mean a lot. Like somebody's willing to take the step and make the effort. I want to help them if I can.
2: Yeah, for sure. And that's something that like I would echo. It's not like I'm some big shot in the sports industry whatever it might be, but I am like when people reach out to me in any form, Talk about sports, I am so down. I'll jump on a call with you, do whatever it is, because once you're kind of in to a degree, you understand how difficult it is to get in um, and what it takes. And so, uh, I think people are a lot more willing to, to to say yes to your DM, you know, or to respond to you than you than you than you think. So that's I love that piece of advice for sure.
1: Yeah, well, we are very appreciative of you guys coming on. This was super insightful. I think people are going to really enjoy this. I know. Like I said before, there's a lot of people very excited about this. So you guys have made a great name for yourself. Uh, it's at support w sports. So everybody needs to follow this account. Open doors is at open doors, right?
4: Yep.
1: <laughs> follow them all. Uh, you gave sports as a job a shout out. People should follow that too if they're yeah, looking interested they in the industry. Shout so out to Colby. There we go. Yeah. yeah. We're, we're blowing up the little. It, this is like I said before. This is the cool thing about Twitter. Is like you can meet super interesting people. And this is how people build their profiles. And you guys are doing that as well as anybody right now. So it was awesome to talk to you. Thank you guys for coming on. This was very insightful. Yeah,
4: Thank you so much. This was super fun being on the other side of the interview.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much, guys. Talk to you soon.
4: Bye. Bye. Thank you.